What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 196 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am your host and guide through said podcast. Um, and if you listened to last week, you'll know that I recorded everything in advance because I had a lovely, lovely bank holiday weekend. I was in London seeing some friends, catching up because, yeah, we're we're getting back to some semblance of normality and was out in the sun and it was a bloody lovely time. Um, one weird thing that happened though, so I say, was up in London and there was a protest that kind of went past where we were, uh, kind of near Notting Hill, I think it was. My, my geography of London is terrible. Um, but they were protesting like lockdown and sort of like anti-mask and stuff like that. And I just thought the irony of it, the fact that like me and my friend, we were sat in a restaurant eating pizza feeling kind of like not some completely normal but back to some kind of normality and it's just like these people are like give us our freedom and it's like mate i'm fucking sat eating a pizza in a restaurant it's just yeah it seemed very counterproductive and very backwards but hey ho everyone has their own opinion and so on and so forth but yeah um again this is another kind of a advanced recording because i'm once again off gallivanting i'm going to see my best friend in bristol so putting this out on on a Friday well I'm recording this on a Friday to be ready for the Tuesday for your lovely lovely ears uh, as always just going to go into a few things that I've been listening to this week the new Dead Heat record World at War fuck it, they've really leaned into the thrash on this record it's just yeah it's really fucking cool uh, new parting record uh, it's called Unmake Me like yeah just Really nice, like, twinkly indie emo stuff. Uh, new Death Goals record, Mathcore, Band from London. Definitely worth checking checking out. Two-piece, uh, the album's called The Horrible and the Miserable. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of it, really. But some really cool... Oh, and the new Wolf Alice as well. So, yeah, just some lo- really nice, cool stuff out, as always. Um, I feel like I'm rambling on a little bit, so I'm going to get straight into this week's guest. This one, I was like super stoked, stoked for, because, uh, so my guest is Dawson Kaiser, the vocalist of the band Porcupine, and Porcupine are a band that I kind of, I can't remember, we get into it in the conversation, I can't remember how I came across them, I it might have been through Axe to Grind, it might have been through various other podcasts, it might have just been through Bandcamp, but as soon as I heard them, I was like fully excited about like what they're doing, like it's like that weirdo hardcore that's like noisy and raw and so I was a big fan of this band anyway and I just ended up getting chatting to them online and this the the stars aligned to get 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 Dawson on the show and yeah I'm I like like for all the big guests that I have it's these new exciting hardcore bands are the ones that I get like super excited for because I want to get them into as many more ears as possible like obviously when I have the bigger guests more people know them already like for example people like Lucas from Holding Absence that was a fucking awesome chat and it got us more listeners than we've had for quite a while but Porcupine are a band that I love and I want to support in any way that I possibly can especially being a different country from them um so yeah this was a really cool chat we talk about uh how kind of his into like alternative music was weirdly kind of self-defense well not weirdly but like self-defense family kind of got him into hardcore and 
even though they're technically not a hardcore band, Pat Kinlan obviously has a pedigree for it. Um, how him and the other members of Porcupine have actually been taught by uh, Harm's Way's vocalist because they're part of that Chicago world. And yeah, how kind of like Chicago has been a base for them, how they've kind of grown in that and now obviously growing as a band, getting involved with New Morality Zine and how everything is going in their world. So yeah, please sit back in the joy of the chat I have with Dawson and I'll see you on the other side. Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Inside podcast is vocalist of Chicago hardcore band Porcupine, Dawson Kaiser. Dawson, thank you very much for taking some time having a chat with me. Um, been a quite a, a busy start to 2021 for you guys. Obviously, record out, getting a lot of buzz, obviously, through like various means, which we'll dig into but a little bit later. But like, how, have, how has it kind of been like promoting a record like at this present time? Yeah, it's been... Uh... It's been really crazy, um, just everything happening. Uh, you know, we've we started recording the the uh, most recent record um, a while ago. A lot of these songs mm. we've been working on for a long time. So having them finally out and uh, people receiving them very well has been great and kind of surreal in a weird way. Where you know, all of us have our you know our own lives going on, and then you know no, you know we're not playing shows or anything, so everything is just happening like online so we're just seeing people yeah yeah uh, interact with it but it's but it's been really cool it's been really cool and you mentioned obviously yeah, having it kind of like recorded a while ago but was this always the because i know like because of obviously the pandemic people have had to shift and rearrange and kind of see how things have planned but was this always the planned release date or was it planned a bit earlier like how's that kind of all yeah affected into things um it was the release was pushed back a little bit, but that was because of um, record plants and just uh, right, yeah, yeah, plants being backed up. So um, it wasn't that much of a difference, though. So we kind of we're constantly recording and working on things, trying to have a constant flow of releases. So this mm. is just the next one in the in the. You know, <laughs> that was cool. So. Well, how I like to kind of get this kind of going formally is to sort of always ask my guests like what kind of got them into alternative music what was their jumping in point so what what kind of like set you off in on that path of discovering alternative mm -hmm. music yeah so probably you know my dad listens to um metal music and, and rock music and okay cool some early punk stuff so i was around that but i also uh my sister was into more um like post-hardcore stuff when and she's older than me and she used to make me mix cds when i was younger and so she would just hand me these and I would listen to them. And I found a lot of, you know, just kind of like basic punk bands through that. And then eventually went on my own path. I got really into garage rock for a while. And mm. um, eventually I found bands like Touche Amore and uh, stuff like that. And I like the more yeah. melodic side of things. Okay. And, so what, what was like, what were the sort of bands that your sister was kind of putting you on to? So, you know, it was, older stuff um like originally just like the ramones and things like that but then also like right okay. um but also a lot of like uh east coast pop punk stuff like bayside and uh bands like taking back sunday and stuff like that so um that's when i was like in middle school probably is when i really get mm. into that and then uh i started listening to hardcore probably right before i got into high school so so what did was someone kind of like 
did someone expose you to that or was it just like your kind of own curiosity of like initially listening to those like the sort of like the bayside to take about sundays and then you kind of finding heavier stuff and going in that direction yeah so you know i i you know i listened to those type of bands and then i uh, when i found touche amore and that was just you know i was originally before i moved to chicago i was from michigan so i i was familiar with right. a lot of dispute from michigan and then through listening to a lot of dispute i heard touche amore and then Touche Moore was on Deathwish Records at the time, Deathwish Inc. And yeah. so then I thought the name of the label was cool. So I just started listening to everything. <laughs> yeah. I listening to everything. So uh, that's how I found a lot of cool bands. And um, a lot of it was took me a while to get into because I wasn't really, okay. wasn't really sure what uh, some of the stuff was just way too heavy for me at the time. And it was a, it was yeah. a slow progression into that kind of stuff. And, and now I've, I'm really into like a lot of the really heavy stuff sometimes like arguably not even hardcore like the band Starkweather is one of my favorite bands and you know kind of a deep cut Deathwish band that's just really yeah yeah grimy that's cool <laughs> so, you know so, <laughs> yeah. but but I'm just, I, I just loved all that stuff I just went through the entire Deathwish catalog and then after that I mm. went to like Revelation and then Triple B and you know just trying to find different things and um, yeah yeah so but was there anything like specifically that kind of drew you to like the heavier side of things like that like i guess like because the time as you mentioned like with Vlad dispute and touche more that was very much like a moment in time sort of thing but like as you say kind of wanting to look out look back at the death wish like yeah. catalog and, and things like that what was it the heavier side of things that kind of really gravitated you towards you know it was weirdly enough like i mean this band's not heavy at all but um when i found self-defense family um okay it was you know i was just obsessed with them and listening to them all the time and mm. um pat would talk about hardcore bands all the time yeah and so i would hear bands that he would recommend i would go listen to them so he would always talk about earth crisis so i go listen to earth crisis and i was like i don't understand the connection between this band and like a cat you know but <laughs> yeah. but um but I was younger and I thought he was cool. So I just listened to everything that he said, you know, you know, for interviews and live performances, whenever he would talk about it, you know? And so I got, I started listening to a lot of the older nineties hardcore stuff through that. Also, um, before I started Porcupine, I was in a uh, screamo band that was like very much like pianos become the teeth kind of stuff. Right. And that was mostly because I was really into you know, things like La Dispute and Touche Amore and things like that. And um, eventually just playing in a band like that, you kind of just get used to um, like hardcore being like, oh, this is kind of like what we do, but heavier, faster, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And you mentioned like growing up, like your dad like listening to sort of like heavy rock and like yeah. metal and things like that. And obviously you, you said like your sister kind of putting you onto stuff. So in terms of like playing, like, was there always like, are you quite a musical family or is it just something that you later on down the line wanted to kind of pick up? Like, yeah. where did that kind of come into things? Yeah. So, um, I, my people in my family aren't really musicians, but music's a really important part where like everyone's like, my dad has a really big CD collection and, you know, mm. it's just always music's always on. And so, right. Um, yeah. 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 So, I was just surrounded by it all the time and then uh i um i wanted to play guitar and 
I was in middle school and playing like just a really bad band with some friends <laughs> you know we would try to we would just try to like cover random songs that we thought were cool or whatever and you know I don't really remember what we were even doing but we were we weren't very good but it just um I met a kid who was very good at guitar and I was like oh wow you can mm. you can do a lot of cool things with this and um and then I picked up guitar and um it kind of went from there and then when I started mm. Porcupine it w- originally Joey and I and Joey's the guitar player Porcupine um we weren't sure who was going to play guitar who's going to do vocals we were you know and then by the time we made our first release um i was doing vocals and he was doing guitar and it's worked out great yeah <laughs> so in terms of that like was it because you were kind of like listening to sort of like the more kind of like alternative rock sort of stuff when you were younger that kind of you wanted to have a go at guitar or was it because as you say like you had this friend that was really good and you're like oh i want to kind of give that a go sort of thing where did that kind of want to pick up a guitar come yeah from? yeah i think um you know, I think it's probably a little bit of both where I was listening to these bands and I was like, this is really cool. I want to try to see if I could do this. And mm. um, when I tried it myself, I just couldn't replicate it, you know? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> yeah. and then when I met uh, this kid who's, who could replicate those songs, I was like, oh, I can do this, you know? So um, yeah, I just, I just have to put in the work. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And the other thing that I always kind of like find interesting is sort of like people's kind of exposure into like discovering like live music. And, and you mentioned living in Michigan. So was that was Michigan where you where you grew up? I grew up um, in Michigan for a while. I uh, went to high school in Chicago. So. Right. OK. Well, because the reason I ask is because like, when were you sort of like going and discovering like live shows? Yeah. Was that in Michigan or was that in Chicago? Yeah, so even when I was living in Michigan, I was still going to a lot of shows in Chicago because I was right across right, the okay. border from it. So most of my early memories of um, punk shows and like uh, and metal and things like that was, was in Chicago. And I, I mean, I had seen a couple shows in Michigan or like local things or things like that, but it wasn't really until I um, was uh, in Chicago surrounded by people who all liked hardcore and punk that I was just constantly going to shows mm. and because like I know obviously like from just the the sort of lineage of it and, and things like that Chicago has like a very sort of prominent sort of hardcore punk scene and it's got sort of like different iterations on it like going from Los Crudos to like Harm's Way yeah. and, and things like that so like what was your kind of like in on in terms of like the local scene like we, like were there any bands that you remember like going to when you first started go, like going to shows that really stood out at all yeah so um you know harm's way was a it's a really important band for everyone in, in porcupine because right. we're all young enough where so the singer of harm's way is actually uh sometimes he's a substitute teacher so we've actually had oh so, sick i didn't so know that not, we've actually had him as a substitute so, <laughs> so we're, we're young enough for that that's really cool that. so um of course you know he would he would deny that he was in a band and stuff but it, but <laughs> but uh but we really looked up to harm's way and so we would always go see them and i think most of us have seen them probably more than any hardcore band just because they're anytime mm. they play we'd go see them and any of the other side uh bands like you know 
James has a band, Hate Force. It's like a death metal band. Mm. And so we would, you know, we would see those bands and um, um, that was really, you know, that was really cool and stuff. But also we knew a lot of kids who were in other scenes. So we're just going to see, right. like, like there's a really big like skate punk scene in Chicago and or there okay. was at the time when, when I was in high school, like skate punk and ska and stuff like that, a lot of that. And it wasn't really like exactly what I liked, but it was, there was something going on and there's a bunch of, mm. bunch of kids going and like those skate punk and ska shows would have hundreds of people and just all like hundreds, hundreds of people was just DIY and in somebody's warehouse or something. So those, those were always really cool. And uh, Jake, who's another band member, he played in a skate punk band called Death of Self for a while. Okay. And, uh, you know, I would go with, I would just go see him play all the time. And they would play with a lot of really cool bands. And um, they opened up for the Chicago hardcore band Burdened once. And uh, Burdened um, is a really important band for me because they just, uh, when I saw them, it was the first time I saw like a band that was mixing like really punky drum rhythms with like really crusty kind of grimy uh guitars and stuff like that and i yeah I was yeah really into that and we've played some shows with them since and um they're not That's they're cool. no longer a band now but uh the members went on to form the band bovice and they're kind of getting oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so that's cool um so that was really cool for us growing up seeing those type of bands and then um the band decline which is like a youth att- like not a youth, youth crew type band um, yeah yeah we we all really looked up to and um just seeing them play like really uplifting positive hardcore is cool so that was, <laughs> yeah. was really cool so um yeah, those are a lot of bands that stood out and i've just i've got to ask because you saying about having james as a teacher and him kind of trying to hide it so was it kind of like a, a thing of like we know who you are sort of thing or did you kind of probe did you probe him a little bit about uh it? we didn't really we didn't really from that much because I think a lot of us were very intimidated by him actually. So, (laughs) um, I can imagine. Yeah. So, um, it was mostly just kind of like a, we know who he is and he can say he's not, but we saw him at the concert last, last week. So, you know, there's (laughs) no denying it, but that's cool. But like, obviously just kind of like being around like those bands and sort of like seeing that kind of thing. And you mentioned like you were, kind of in a, a screamo band before porcupine but like was there any like gigs that you can remember that like stood out that you went to that you were like oh this is definitely something that i can do this is something that's attainable kind of thing mm. yeah that's that's a good question i think uh you know i saw um i've seen code orange a lot and mm. anytime they come to t- uh chicago everyone in my band we go see see them and um something that you know we don't I'd say we play a very different style of hardcore than they do but um yeah but something that uh really stood out to me was that you know starting from Code Orange Kids to now they they were just these young teenagers trying to make heavy music and they just slowly perfected their craft and um and they didn't really care about what, what people thought about it so it was just you know seeing them constantly over the years um always changing their style and doing weird stuff and whether i whether like i like certain eras of them more or whatever it's irre- irrelevant to the fact that they've like inspired me as a musician 
Yeah. Mm. So then, in terms of like you sort of like actually playing music and starting bands, you mentioned like obviously high school band was a bit sort of a mishmash of everything sort of thing. But what would you sort of like consider like the first band that you were part of that was like an active band, like doing shows and, and things like that? Yeah. So I was um, part of a screamo band called Salve Luna that we started in high, mm-hmm. in high school, and we just chose a foreign name because we saw a bunch of screamo bands with foreign names <laughs> yeah it's, it's a tried formula <laughs> yeah, yeah and then we and then we realized later that there's a lot of actual foreign screamo bands so so we're kind of like oh it makes <laughs> sense they have foreign names but uh but we played some that was the first band that i really took serious trying to uh make the songs as good as possible and playing shows and things like that but that band slowly dissolved and then i started porcupine like uh, with Joey a little bit later. So I would say Porcupine is probably the first serious band that I've been in. Okay. We, and we've just been um, playing for a while. So just... Mm. So did you kind of like, because I know there's a, a couple of like recorded stuff with Salve Luna, but did you do like any tours or anything with it? Or was it kind of very much a local kind just of Just a local thing. Played with a lot of friends. And, um, but it was, uh, it re- I mean, it was with the intention of doing more and yeah of course. So i think yeah. i think the more was just it just ended up being porcupine because because <laughs> yeah. towards the end of it joey joined the band and then like like a few months later we're like let's just start a new band so yeah that's cool so then in terms of like porcupine obviously you mentioned like joey was obviously already in the band and, and things like that but like i always find it interesting what people's sort of ammo is and, and sort of like what they kind of want to achieve and in comparison to how it progresses and what we hear because so like obviously off the new record like it's very heavy it's very abrasive yeah. like you mentioned kind of you personally going back through the death wish catalog yeah. and i think those influences kind of feel very prominent but was that always what you wanted for porcupine mm. or has it kind of developed over time like what was the initial idea with porcupine i think initially initially it was just us trying to just play something like ceremony honestly we were really into ceremony okay and uh and we still are really into ceremony and but i think that was just a good like when we first started it was like we were listening to a bunch of screamo music and then we're like ceremony is cool and (laughs) it's kind of punky (laughs) so you know that was just our our uh, first starting point and I think because we started the band while we were all still learning about hardcore everything everything we did just kind of was so different so um Mm. there's you know if you go through our catalog there's a lot of I think it's obviously us but there's a lot of differences in each release so yeah yeah that's fair yeah so I and go ahead (laughs) No, I was just going to say, well, like you saying, like the differences in kind of releases and you've mentioned like you're always a band that's kind of constantly sort of like working and, and stuff. And I think that, again, is something that obviously shines through. But it, again, was that always a conscious thing or was that something that like, I don't know, every time you guys got in a room, like it just felt natural to kind of be writing for the next thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Joey now is just he's just a, a beast of a songwriter where he's just like he <laughs> yeah. writes so many guitar riffs and he's just like check this out check this out check this out and um 
the amount of stuff he creates is a lot more than what you everyone sees because you know we we hone it in and we we like workshop yeah, it. Yeah, of course. But it's just this um a lot of it is just like I'm listening to one thing, he's listening to another thing, everyone else in the band is listening to whatever they're listening to. And at the time of when we're writing that stuff just some of that stuff shines through. So mm. um and what's interesting with the most recent release uh Civil, you have songs that were made at different times so what you have is okay like i it feels cohesive to us but when we first wrote it we're like i don't know how we're gonna put all these songs together because some (laughs) of the songs are very very old and some of the songs are um very new so i mean the the last song of the um which is a very long you know very uh yeah it's it's very different from the rest of the songs like that's the most recent song that was written for it okay that kind of makes sense yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah Um, and then a lot of stuff in the middle was stuff that we've been playing live and um, seeing how it works and changing like vocal cadences throughout live shows, um, like uh, funeral grief and repent were played. We've we've played them on tours before, and mm. the end product is very different from when we first started. But you know, there we kind of we always do this where we just have like a basic song and we play a bunch of live shows and hone it in kind of like use them just yeah. test them out like that and um what we end up recording is usually a little bit different but um but yeah so like every release that we've done has had so many different uh styles that we've just kind of it's just been really based upon what we're into at the time so mm. and you mentioned earlier obviously like when you guys kind of started out like it was kind of between you and joey who was going to play guitar who was going to do vocals yeah. kind of thing but and obviously it felt you set you kind of settled with you doing the vocals but like did you do vocals before in in Salve Luna or is this your first sort of foray into that world yeah so Salve Luna was like I did vocals I wasn't the main vocalist it was like one of those screamo bands that had like everyone in the band doing vocals you know one yeah, of those yeah, things yeah, yeah. so um something like that but uh but yeah when and I also do uh some solo music I record a lot of like solo mm. stuff but this is my first time really doing hardcore vocals in a, in a band. And so yeah. I think what you can see throughout the releases is that I'm getting more comfortable recording hardcore mm. vocals. Like some of the early stuff, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And then <laughs> I'm just, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, just um, perfecting it and trying new things. Like I think the last couple releases before the Sybil, I started to feel comfortable and then with the Sybil, I'm like, I feel comfortable enough to really try weird stuff. So, yeah, that's cool. So, but the, like, the reason I ask is because, like, I don't know, I find like some people, like, they always want to try their hand at doing vocals, mm. or it's kind of a thing of happenstance that they're kind of put in that position yeah, and yeah. then they just kind of develop and grow. So, is it something that you wanted to have a go at, or is it the latter that you would just kind of, it kind of fell on you sort of thing? You know, I definitely wanted to have a go at it, but you know i'm i'm actually a very introverted person and when i'm mm. on stage you know i it it is weird to have a lot of attention on me so yeah when, yeah, I, yeah. when I first was starting i didn't really know how that was going to be i felt very awkward i would a lot of times i wouldn't face the audience because i just felt really uncomfortable so a lot of it wasn't my um fear of actually doing the vocals as much as it was being the center of attention and I didn't really right yeah, um, yeah. and I still kind of struggle with that I, I 
um, which is, you know, it's helpful that Joey's actually very, uh, he takes a lot of attention while performing because he's pretty crazy. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that helps a lot. But uh, I, I get that. I can relate. So I used to play in like a kind of like a math core sort of grind core band. Nice. And the very first show I did, like I just I was just looking at our drummer the whole time, just back to the crowd. Yeah, I just yeah. didn't turn around once. <laughs> yeah. So I could totally relate to that. But like in terms of like as you say, like you you now feel sort of more comfortable and within it. And I think like that obviously shows very much in the civil, but and obviously like doing some research in this, I've seen that you do like other writing outside yeah. of, of the band and stuff. So is that something that like has maybe helped you sort of hone that craft and in, in that you've been comfortable with writing so then that's helped be comfortable with writing lyrics mm. and that's then progressed into producing lyrics if that makes sense yeah yeah i you know i i really have a passion for writing and i i read all the time so i think a lot of times my lyrics are just kind of uh condensed versions of my stories in a way yeah so um and I think that's, uh, I think you would, you're correct in pointing out, like, it's like this, um, the more comfortable I am with my writing, I'm more comfortable with crafting my, my lyrics. Um, and I mm. think there's been definitely a uh, increase in quality of my lyrics since I started actually publishing stories. Um, and I, I think that's mostly because I've been little bit less afraid to write kind of unorthodox lyrics that aren't like your basic tough guy hardcore i'm you know, yeah you know trying to do something a little bit more poetic um but and i, I hope people have, have enjoyed what I've, what I've wrote but you know yeah. but I'm, I'm trying you know to experiment with that so yeah mm. and again like because you've mentioned like your record there's been a lot of like recorded sort of output and I, I don't want to say that like porcupine was always going to be like a studio band or just a practice band or whatever but like was that was the recording element more of a focus than going out and, mm -hmm. and touring or i don't know like was it just the way that things panned out that like you had all this material then you went out and toured mm -hmm. like how did that kind of work yeah i think you know we we all everyone in the band loves playing shows mm -hmm. um and we really try to play shows, but I think uh, we also we don't we don't want to make music that is just for the live experience. We want to make right, we want to make okay. music that is um, something that somebody would <laughs> somebody would want to listen to uh, on their own. Because when it comes to hardcore and the the bands I listen to in hardcore nowadays um, are bands that I think I can listen to without going to see live. And if I if I yeah. go to see them live, that's great, but I I don't want to just be listening to a band and just like oh I need to memorize these lyrics so that I have fun at the live show. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that's so I think we're really intentional with trying to craft songs in a studio in the studio. We're trying to uh, present music in a way that is uh, enjoyable for the listener, and if they want to come see a show, that's great. So, mm. and then because. Th the reason I ask that is because I always find it interesting, like what people's kind of first sort of uh, views of travel when kind of going like on tours and, and things yeah. is like. And I always like because you're like, even though you've got this sort of extensive catalog, like you are still a relatively young oh, band, yeah. Yeah. 
but but like what was it kind of like for you sort of like when you did start touring mm. and and things like that did you have any expectations of what things were going to be like did did those first tours live up to expectations yeah were they duds <laughs> where did it kind of all come yeah in? you know we've we actually really love tour, touring but we've had horrible luck with crazy things happening <laughs> while we're on tour. oh really so yeah it's been a pretty wild actually I, our expectation was like oh we're gonna travel to these shows we're gonna play it's gonna be cool we'll sell some merch you know that was pretty much our expectation but um we've had like vehicles break down um we've had uh you know fights at shows and things like that like just um we've had a, we had a what is in people fighting you or? um no not as much usually like what happens like we, we played uh a show our last tour we played a show in akron where there was already beef between two groups of people at the show and we we're just trying to play oh, okay. we we're trying to play our show you know play the show and have fun and you know people are fighting and you know and it just causes drama because then like oh we're friends with the promoter and he he was on one side of the fight you know things like that and we're like <laughs> we're just a bunch of like scrawny dudes <laughs> who are like really young <laughs> we don't, don't want to so um and then we had a tour where uh, our uh, the hitch for our, our trailer just completely came undone, and like it was terrible. Like we were broke, we broke down, and we couldn't like get anywhere. And we had to rent a U-Haul truck. Oh shit! And then attach the trailer to the U-Haul truck, and then drive the van separately. So we're driving t- oh, two vehicles. Shit. Yeah. So, and then we, we also had uh, our f- first tour, we had a member who had a really bad mental breakdown during the tour. So it was just things were, it was just like <laughs> our expectation versus what, like how things were actually happening was just really different, really different. So. Yeah. Yeah. Most of it sounds like it. And so then in terms of like, cause obviously like part and parcel of growing as a band is sort of touring and, and things like that. And I was trying to th- think like exactly when it was I heard you guys. I can't remember if it was off the 2018 demo or later. I, I can't I couldn't remember. I couldn't put my finger on it. But like in terms of like you guys sort of growing as a band and growing as a fan base kind of thing, can you remember like a point when like there were people like out of Chicago and uh, and other things that were like taking note of you or yeah. and, like people like myself, like people overseas that were, were showing an interest. Can you remember when that kind of came about? Yeah. So when we put out the 2018 demo, um, it, it did get a little bit more attention than like everything else we were releasing at the time. Mm. Um, because uh, Pat from self-defense and drug church shouted us out on extra grind. Yeah. And uh, that's probably, yeah, I think that's where yeah. I got it from. So yeah, yeah. that makes Yeah. Sense. Which was really cool for us. Um, and I remember people listening to it. You know, and I was actually really surprised that he liked it because, you know, we, we liked it. Um, we thought it was good for us. <clears throat> but listening to that demo and listening to like, all the other bands at the time, you know, production wise, it's just very uh, it's not as good as production wise. It's, you know, it's we're just kind of throwing around doing weird stuff. And um, we weren't sure what the response would be. We knew we knew that we mm. were going to have fun playing these songs. And um, to this day, if we play uh very locally to like our where our neighborhood is um then uh 
people love hearing those songs but <clears throat> right okay but outside of our area those are, those songs aren't popular at all <laughs> yeah. so um which is fine because we think our newer songs are much better so so <laughs> yeah. um so i remember that and then you know we released zomia and i think zomia was when things really started taking off uh as far mm. as um people from more than just like pat shouting us out and getting a couple listens um after zomia was released um they actually played a song on extra grind mm. and uh people started purchasing the the tape and we were playing we were getting asked to play more shows in our area from bands that were you know we respected and things like that and uh um we we played a show uh at a venue called the galaxy and we were opening there's a lot of people there and um i remember we covered um a song by the hardcore chicago hardware man the the killer and people went really yeah. crazy to, to it and it was that was when I was like, okay, we, we can do something. People aren't just going to stand around and, <laughs> and just look at us with their arms crossed. We can, we can uh, um, have, make music that people are going to really enjoy. And uh, hmm. after that, was, I think when we put out Zomi is when we were like, okay, we're going to take this really seriously. So, hmm. And just in, in terms of, like you mentioned, kind of the sort of like your local scene in terms of the response with the, the 2018 demo. And obviously like we talked about earlier like the importance of bands like sort of harm's way and and things like that but like i don't know how like obviously now at the moment like shows aren't really a thing but like when you were kind of like getting the momentum and getting more sort of like of a quote-unquote fan base how did you feel like you were perceived in chicago because like again like from the outside looking in and you always kind of like hear and read this thing that chicago is kind of like this hotbed for like quote unquote weirdos yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So like how I don't know, like how did you kind of like fit and like how did you kind of feel like within the Chicago scene itself? Yeah. So the thing with Chicago is that there is it is like a hotbed for weirdo music kind of thing. And but there's so many different scenes happening at once. And mm. um like you'll have the Chicago beatdown scene and there will be no overlap between that scene and like the straightforward punk <laughs> yeah. scene and um and then you have like the post-hardcore screamo scene and they don't really interact with anyone and and then you have like in our area we had a lot of just like straightforward like punk music people just trying to play really fast songs with three chords and that's what we were always mm. around and we were trying to i think it, at first no one really knew where to put us because we had songs that were really fast and just straightforward punk songs. And we had songs that had breakdowns and we had songs that did weird melodic post-hardcore parts. And, you know, on Zomia, we have an acoustic song and that really like, th that yeah. really threw people off, you know, I think um, as far as like, like what shows should we be on? Um, mm. And, you know, I remember we, we got asked to play with Portrayal of Guilt and um and that was really cool and then also we got asked to play with ignite and that's like a completely <laughs> and, and so, yeah. so, we, so we, we play with ignite and patrol guilt around like the same time it's like those are completely different bands and we, yeah you know and yeah. i think based off our you know our material 
I think we fit better with Patrell Gill, but to even be like, you know, they weren't really sure where, where to put us, you know, so, um, and, uh, but we were playing with a lot of our, just our friends' bands, a lot of younger, younger bands, and everyone was just mm. trying to, you know, do weird stuff. So the, the people we were generally playing with that were that, like friends of ours, um, you know, that was a cool time, I think, for us, because it was just like, everyone was just doing weird things, trying new things out. And, um, and everyone was just starting bands, and most of the bands were really bad, and we were all just having fun. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then after Zomia, though, there was kind of this division from that, because they're like, okay, we, we're going to be playing shows with other, you know, touring bands are coming through, and we're going to open up for them. And, um, mm what ended up happening is the local bands are asking you to play less. Um, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. It's just, there's a lot of division in the Chicago scene. It's, it's kind of a strange thing. Um, and we've tried really hard to fit into any of the scenes, but. Mm. But cause the reason I ask is like, it might not be necessarily work with Chicago because you say where it is sort of divided, but like I know, like here in e in England, whenever like you get like a local band that does well, there's always that kind of sense of pride mm. and stuff and things like that. So like I don't know because obviously like you guys are on this like upward trajectory yeah. at the moment, like people are starting to take notice of you and stuff. Is there a sense of like the people of Chicago are proud of what you guys are doing, or do you not really feel it as much? You know, I think. I think there is that pride in certain scenes. Um, mm. You know, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in Chicago. Like you have bands like Buggin, you have bands like Life's Question, yeah. and you know, and you know, Numerality put out uh, their some of their material too, and that's really awesome. And um, and I think we really occupy a different lane than them. But your I yeah. think your average hardcore person is going towards that kind of stuff. In Chicago. Oh yeah, Chicago. definitely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, like in the East Coast, stuff like that, they're they're going for more of that kind of stuff too, and that's that's great. Um, I think we kind of are drawing the more weirdo crowd, um, <laughs> and a lot of people who play in bands really like us. Um, mm. And so bands that we respect, like there's a band called Saren, and they're very much like integrity, and they they love us, we love them you know we we're all we're both really big integrity fans and uh so a lot of band members who play in really more weird or really heavy hardcore bands they really like us and honestly some some of the more punky people who just like really weird punk stuff or people who like youth attack things like that they're kind of you know rallying behind us and it's been really cool um but i th i would say that the scene as a whole the chicago scene is going for more the the bug and crowd and the life's question crowd which is great. right they're, yeah, they're yeah, great bands cool. so yeah and just to kind of go back to your kind of like lyrical writing and stuff like you mentioned obviously like you you constantly read and things and and again like i read that specifically for the sybil like you were like reading a lot of cormac mccarthy yeah. sort of stuff but like in terms of you actually like putting like a story onto paper kind of thing in, in terms of what you're writing lyrically, do you kind of like pick themes or is it just kind of, do you like, I know you said like with, with this record, obviously there were songs that were recorded at different phases yeah. and times, 
But do you try and have like a cohesive narrative or is each song its own little story? Like how do you kind of structure it? Yeah, so I think it really depends on the release. I think every release has a specific structure. Um, whether the structure is like a cohesive narrative or not, I think depends on the release. With the Sybil, mm. I would say that um, it's not necessarily a specific narrative as much as it is a specific a specific emotional state. Um, okay. And just, uh, you know, there's, there's certain songs that are more, you know, very personal or more philosophical or more political on it, but you still have um, this kind of, this aggressiveness and this, uh, I kind of was going for more of like a claustrophobic feel to just like, having like this kind of feeling of trying to um like this need to get across what i'm trying to say i guess yeah yeah and like just because obviously like you i think claustrophobia is, is, is a good <laughs> sort of like thing because like that obviously that record it just feels like up until you get to the kingdom of heaven like it is like just pummeling you kind of thing. yeah yeah but like i guess sort of like you said, like there's different sort of like either either it be political, emotional sort of things, but like it could be just be my perception, but they're not necessarily like themes that are like they're front and center. If that makes yeah, sense. yeah, totally. So is is that something that you want? Because going back to what you said earlier, like you don't want it, you didn't want it to be just like stereotypical, like tough guy hardcore, mm -hmm. like have you always kind of wanted to like blur the lines and weave like what is going on in the lyrics? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, I'm not trying to purposely confuse the listener <laughs> with, my, <laughs> yeah. with my lyrics, but I, but I am trying to present something that's nuanced, I guess. So mm. something that I, um, as someone who reads a lot and I also listen to a lot of other types of music, what I really appreciate is prose or lyrics that are nuanced in what they're saying. Um, and I would say that hardcore has generally not been very nuanced and I, and, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that that's fine given that the, the, the genre that it is, you have a lot of very short songs and the cadences in which people are speaking are very just direct and it, it really mm. works, but I'm trying, I'm trying to see if you don't have to do that. So, um, yeah, yeah. But like, because of that, like, I don't know, like the for me personally, like that is something that has drawn me to you guys because like, I am someone that likes to read lyrics, like listens to that is something that kind of hooks me in sort of yeah. thing. So have you found that that is something that people have gravitated towards? Yeah, I think um, there's definitely, um, you know, I've, I've talked to people who've said that they aren't really a big fan of hardcore, but they've liked some of our stuff because of the mm. lyrics. And um, that's been really cool to hear. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I really love it with, you know, if somebody's reading the lyrics, that's really awesome to me. I think there's a lot of, uh, times, a lot of times in hardcore people aren't actually, uh, reading the lyrics. Um, so when people do, it, it really means a lot. I'm also a person who reads lyrics of bands all the time. And I, I really, it's, it's important to my, uh, enjoyment of their music. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing. I think, especially like in a, time where now like streaming services and stuff like music is so disposable mm. i think like there is that sort of risk of like you'll listen to it and be like oh that was cool yeah and then you're done sort of thing so like way when you have a band like yourselves where it comes along where it almost begs for that 
attention to detail, then I think that obviously, well, for me personally, is something that like, okay, I need to take a step back and find out what these guys are about. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. And like, just in terms of kind of, actually, we'll we'll go with like where the record sort of built upon. So, obviously, this record is come out through Numerality Zine, Mm -hmm. and I think in especially in the last sort of two years they're a, a label that's definitely kind of on the front foot of like what is going on in hardcore yeah. and and finding new bands and pushing new bands so how did the relationship with with nick kind of come across and like how has it kind of been sort of with his backing sort of thing? yeah yeah so we uh he saw us play at that galaxy show that i was mentioning um right okay and we were putting out um underground man and uh he was like i want to put this out on tape and that was kind of the the start to the conversation and uh he, mm. he put out underground man on tape and it did decently well and um you know i think he what makes the relationship work so well is that he really supports us fully knowing that we're this weird band that is very different from <laughs> yeah. everything else on the label um and he's just kind of letting us do our thing and um and he's been very uh gracious with us when we've been kind of sometimes i guess difficult to work with or, or things like that so um, <laughs> so he's just he's a great guy and he he supports um the scene in so many ways not just through releasing music but his you know the zine itself is great and uh the different things he's done for the community um uh, specifically in the chicago community has been uh, wonderful and he's just a great great mm. great guy so um so then in terms of like, as you said, like Underground Man was going to put out through him, but like, I think the way, it might just be because of the way, way like we're consuming music in the last year of the pandemic and stuff. Like obviously it is a lot more kind of finding stuff on the internet and stuff at the moment because we can't go to shows and whatever. But it feels like The Sybil has been a record that has really been sort of, I don't want to say kind of like given like the PR treatment because it's not but it feels like it's been packaged in a certain way it's been pushed in a certain way so was there thought going into like i know we mentioned earlier like just in terms of like the pressing plant that that pushed it back a little bit but was there kind of like a strategy into like how you wanted it released yeah and in terms of pushing it yeah so you know we i wouldn't say we're the best at marketing but we care we what we we care (laughs) at uh we care at how like we, we care about how we market the band and yeah and honestly it was um kind of uh a, a miracle that the record plant did have to like that pushed back the date because it made us really think about hey how are we actually going to market this thing because originally yeah, yeah we we had been sitting on these songs where like, we just wanted out we want to just you know you know we'll just release it and let it do its thing and um but um, having it be pushed back and and then with Nick's support, you know, we were able to, you know, get uh, things written about it on No Echo and Brooklyn Vegan and mm. things like that. And it also gave us the time to really work on uh, the music video we just released um, mm. and, uh, you know, things like that. And, um, and Joey does a lot of the uh, weird video clips that he puts on Instagram and things like that. And he, he, he makes a lot of those. Yeah. And, um, he put a lot of effort into those, trying to um, 
just draw in some attention that maybe you know maybe caught somebody's eye or whatever but mm. um, but honestly even with all that stuff we've been really um it's been really exciting for us because we didn't really have an uh, expectation on how uh, how it would be received mm. and like you mentioned because obviously it gave you a bit more time to kind of like think about things and i think specific obviously one straight off the bat like the artwork is fucking killer but like you've kind of added on to that like with as you say like with joey like doing the video clips and and things so like did you kind of i guess like, my question is what came first the artwork or the estate mm-hmm. that followed or did was it kind of one big package you know i think um so when joey was working on the artwork for for the album he uh he was really um we were we were kind of going back and forth and like hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And we were kind of going back and forth, trying to figure out something that would fit the aesthetic of the music itself. Um, yeah. And when we, you know, uh, found, uh, when he when he finally made that that image um, the way it is, you know, we were like, okay, this is the aesthetic for, for the record. And um, it had, you know, it has this kind of like medieval occult kind of look to it. And we, mm. which it's funny, it's the, the image is not, <laughs> medieval actually it's very it's weirdly uh it's not that long ago but it was from some college in ohio it has like a secret oh really secret yearbook or something like that so very very (laughs) weird stuff um but uh we we thought it was was kind of cool and we thought it worked with with the aesthetic of the release and um and then with the images he wasn't really sure what he was going to do with that and i said i told him to check out you know really silent era films that were like of a certain genre of like the gothic genre and so we were looking at you know the gothic films of like silent era dante's inferno and things like that and uh um faust and and weird stuff like that and most of that came from just me Mm. liking to like i i love to read stuff so i i've read all those books and i was like hmm (laughs) silent movies have have these you know they've adapted these into silent movies we should use some of these so um, and he made them look really cool, but, but yeah, it was the artwork first and then those images and then the way it was marketed came afterwards. Yeah. That's cool. And I think, I don't know, like, are you much of a video game guy? Um, me personally, no, I, I'm, I'm familiar enough to, to, uh, to get any reference. Well, the, the only reason I bring it up is just because the, obviously the last week or so, the new resident evil game yeah. came out and your, <laughs> and the cover of your artwork looks like something from that game. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's which is pretty yeah, cool. cool. It's kind of like you beat you beat the beat them to the punch. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> and but just in terms of like the as I said, like the response and the growth of you guys, like obviously you've had a chance to push this record a bit more, and it's getting more eyes on you. So like, how have you kind of felt like obviously not being able to do shows at the moment how have you kind of felt like the response to the record's been you know i think the response has been great it's been really cool to hear what people have been saying and the different write-ups and um you know having it mentioned on certain podcasts and um Mm. just getting feedback from friends you know it's it's really cool where you know we've never been a band where our friends pretended to like us so right yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. that's been really cool you know because we knew when we when they didn't like things and uh <laughs> yeah. and this is a release where you know our friends have actually really been like yeah this is this is good this is good so um 
and that's been really cool to get that feedback and um you know and i've gotten good feedback from not only friends and extended people also family members and generally family, family members don't generally listen to to my music so that's that's cool yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool um and uh you know the, the response has been great though and we've all been very excited about it and it's been uh kind of surreal just you know we're doing all all of us are doing our own thing you know some of us are in school or or working jobs and just you know just you like oh you get a notification oh somebody's talking about us here or whatever it's, it's cool yeah yeah um that's cool so that's been really great and uh i think also it's allowed for um the release has opened up doors for for future things like you know planning shows for when shows are gonna be back and um mm. and whenever that will be but you know just talking to other bands who are like hey i we really liked this we want to have a show with you and shows are back I'm like that's really cool so that's cool and I do want to obviously talk about the, the video, but I just kind of want to slightly segue into something you mentioned earlier is that obviously you do some, some solo yeah. stuff. Um, I've got the note of oh, growing up. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I had it written down. Um, so how long has that kind of been something you've kind of done? Like, is it just, is it a, another outlet for you? Mm. Like where does that kind of fit into everything? Yeah. So I started doing that before uh, Porcupine. And I, I mm. was just wanting to make music and I didn't really have people to make music with. And so I was just trying things by myself and really auto growing up um, was just the project that allowed me to just try anything. So, you know, there's a lot of like acoustic just singer songwriter stuff, but there's also some re really weird like synth stuff. And there's, um, you know, more like alternative rock stuff or post-rock stuff. Yeah. So I, I just went all over the place with it, um, you know, and I think honestly, a lot of that has actually helped um, Porcupine and some stuff like some of those songs are influencing songs we're working on now. So uh, right, that's okay. been really cool. And, uh, you know, it, also um, it's just, I'm kind of like, when I, when I listen to music, I'm, a, I'm really into extremes. So really, ex if I'm going to go, heavy i want to go really heavy if i want to go like soft yeah you know, really soft so it's just a, kind of allowed me to try another extreme of music of just really like more calm weird stuff that's different from porcupine but you know just as weird i guess um <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm i'm working on a um i have one more song to record for a solo album coming out then and i'm not sure if i'm going to release it under the art grown-up name i might want to try to rebrand just because most mm. people don't know about the art growing up it's kind of my kind of what I'm just I've thrown that stuff out just to test stuff really right and yeah yeah this I've finally recorded an album that I feel very very proud of so um that's cool yeah and Joey's been working on it with me so it's it's really cool so have you and because up until this point is it kind of just as you say like kind of testing the waters but have you done shows yeah like solo yeah I have I've done a lot of uh I've done a lot of shows solo all just local nothing um nothing i didn't I haven't done any tours or anything like that but um yeah but it's been cool because even with my shows i've experimented uh, many of them were just acoustic but there's been times where i've just lugged around like a synth and done weird stuff so you know <laughs> yeah. so i've done i've done some weird stuff um with with that and that's been really cool and yeah so i've done some shows with that and i plan on doing when shows are back i plan on 
playing a lot more solo shows. So that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you like, not maybe necessarily like investing more time in it, but like, do you kind of want to put, give it a bit more of a push and as you say, like maybe do a tour and, yeah. and things like that? Yeah, I definitely want to uh, give it more energy and, and give it more of my attention um, mm. and not just like, it's nice to have a project where you're just kind of, this is just me trying weird things. And I think I'll always have some type of project like that, but I think I'm, I'm wanting to really push my solo stuff as a serious endeavor. That's cool. Um, just because obviously, as I say, like in getting preparation for this, I listened to a couple of things. So I'm now eager to know, like, have you got a, a rough idea of when that record will be out in the world or not? So um, much? I don't really have a perfect idea of when it will be out, but um, you know, I just have one more song to finish vocals on and then it will be done. So I, I hope not too long. I, I be, definitely <laughs> yeah. before the, the end of the year. So hopefully summertime, I'm thinking. That's cool. That's cool. Well, as I say, I, I want to obviously talk about the, the video and the song in general, yeah. The Kingdom of Heaven, that you guys put out recently. And you mentioned, obviously, that it was the, the newest song that you guys wrote and, and comparable to everything else that's on the Sybil is very different. Yeah. So... Again, I guess kind of going to that kind of like, quote unquote, like weirdo nature of, of like your music and the Chicago scene and things like that. Like, I don't know, was it a song that just kind of came about naturally? Or did you focus like, now nah, we want to do something that's a bit like unexpected and a bit weird? You know, I think I think it came about very naturally. We, So I'm really into Nick Cave and Swans and things like that. And same with Joey and... Um, we're all really into like weird post-rock stuff and um you know we're really into the band king woman and mm. um there's a lot of nods to king woman on the song and yeah yeah now you've yeah. said now you've said that I yeah yeah there's, there's a lot of nods to king woman in the song um and actually there's a lot of nods to lungfish actually as well that's more hidden in the guitar parts but um mm. um we're pretty intentional with what we create as far as like hey, this is like, this is a nod to this band, this is a nod to this scene or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, so yeah. um, what we really were trying to do is, you know, try to create something hypnotic and um, something that built built on each other. And then mm. I was listening to a lot of Starkweather at the time. So when I, when I, when we finally finished the music part of it, and then it has that really heavy breakdown part in the end, I was like, I'm going to go uh, try to pull off doing some stark weather type vocals and i think it turned out that's cool pretty well but that's cool so then in terms of like that being the the one that you kind of gave like the video and like the quote-unquote single treatment yeah. to like again like it's kind of for people that have been following you is a bit of a, a left field move yeah. and a bit sort of unexpected but obviously the end product is something that's absolutely incredible and like a really well shot video Thanks. and everything like that so first and foremost like what was the idea of like wanting to it to kind of almost be like a cinematic piece mm. and two like what were the kind of like ideas and themes that you wanted to put across in the video yeah so um our friend uh brandon gregoire who uh is a photographer and filmmaker he he, mm. he filmed it um 
and our friend Amanda, is, uh, she's the actress in it. And, and um, yeah. And, you know, when I worked with Brandon on a prior video for our song Crystal Palace, and, right. and he was actually the actor in it, and I was I was filming it. But uh, okay, yeah. so uh, kind of he took control of the camera this time around, and you know I think we we chose this song because I thought we thought it gave us the most time to make something cinematic, and also like our idea of the band is very much like we want there to be different art forms and mediums that the band works in. Right. And, okay. Um, and I, that might sound very pretentious, but it's mostly out of just <laughs> we're friends with a lot of creative people, and we want to collaborate with those people. So yeah, yeah, of course. That's yeah. Cool. So um, we were working on what to what the video is going to be for a very, very long time, just because hmm. um, you know when you have something on paper and then you go to film it, it looks really stupid. <laughs> so, so you're just like. <laughs> you know we've tried to make videos for other songs in the past and we're like this isn't working and um and you know uh when we had the idea of uh originally it wasn't really until the editing process that we decided to reverse everything mm. and it worked out wonderfully because um you know the song kind of followed like philosophically is dealing with you know things of like uh, trying to achieve a certain uh, moral thing and then always uh, backtracking on it. It's, I guess like that's the, yeah, the best yeah. way to describe it like very uh, quickly. But um, so just having this like constant, like trying to like Amanda in it is moving, but she's always in reverse. And it's just like, she can't actually run away from, <laughs> from what she's trying to try to do. It's like, it's always going backwards. And I think there's, mm. there's this symbolism there. Um, and that's just my my take on it. Honestly, I a lot of it has to do with just like things look cool, and <laughs> yeah. so we try to make things look as beautiful as possible in the video. And uh, I think Brandon did a great job with the film filming, and and Joey did most of the editing, and I think they did a really great job with that. Um, mm. But uh, I think it was. Um, the end product, I think, is is really awesome, and we're all really proud of it. Yeah, yeah. And like, just in terms of kind of again, like, response and and sort of different, being a bit different and stuff. Like, because I think obviously there are like hardcore bands that put out videos that have a bit more of like a narrative to them and stuff. But there's like the stereotypical is like it will be a few cutaways, but then there'll be a cut to like the band playing yeah. live and and things like that. So. And it might just be because the song doesn't really necessarily lend itself to that, but was it a conscious thing of you guys not being included in it at all? Yeah, so we've made a decision that we don't really want to be in a video. <laughs> and, okay, now that's and, fair. And, um, and not that we think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think there's been, I've seen plenty of videos that pull that stuff off very well. Um, but uh, I think we don't want to miss out on an opportunity to tell a narrative or try to show something, uh, try to present something more interesting, I think, than just a video of us playing uh, a song. Mm, so, yeah. you know, with Crystal Palace, we're not in that video either. Um, and it follows a kind of narrative along with the lyrics. And um, 
you know, so dealing with with that, we just kind of wanted uh, we want our videos to uh, show a different side of of the band, show uh, that we're we're interested in in other mediums besides music, and we care a lot about film, yeah. and so because of that, we want to um, present the best film that we can. You know, we're like yeah. we're not filmmakers, but we we want to we want <laughs> yeah. we want to do. Uh, what we think is the best that we can so mm. and just a slight side but just purely because i think i tweaked it the other day is amanda the same person that's on the front of president yes yes yeah i thought i thought it was and it's like oh okay it kind of yeah. makes sense now yeah. <laughs> that's cool um so then in terms of like where we're at now obviously sybil's been out a couple of months like you said you've kind of got tentative plans of, of shows and stuff when that's back being a possibility but as i've mentioned throughout this conversation like you are a band that is constantly working yeah. so what's the the next step have you got like stuff in the bag for another release or are you still working like where are we at, at the moment with Porky? yeah so we have a lot of material in the works right now um the plan is to have you know we're we're probably going to be starting to record a few splits and eps pretty soon um, and, uh, you know, we're always working on things and, you know, we don't know what the plan to like, how we're going to release those yet, but, um, mm. but we, we have a constant, we always want to have a constant rotation, um, just to, you know, give people something to listen to. And we don't really like the idea of taking too long in between releases, especially cause we, yeah, yeah. we work pretty fast. So we're, we're not gonna we don't really want to sit on the songs too long so there's a lot of um a lot of new music in the works um a lot of different styles so we're still deciding you know some of the songs are more the kingdom of heaven kind of songs and some of them are, okay cool. and some of them are more uh straightforward hardcore or really aggressive stuff so you know we're all over the place and and some of them are kind of weird post-hardcore things so you know we'll see what happens, what ends up on the re releases, but yeah, we're, we're working on a lot of things and uh, yeah. I think, see, now you've said that, all, all I want you to do is do like a double album, do one that's all kind of like the post hardcore <laughs> stuff and one that's just straight up hardcore and just whack it together. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, it's funny you say that because we've totally thought about like things like that in the past and you know, we're, we're no, no promises, <laughs> no promises. We, we have so many different things that we want to try out. So that's cool um and just in terms of like like shows like obviously i know things are very different in the states to to what we are here and obviously at the time of recording this there was obviously the the infamous madball show that we won't get into <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah. i know stuff is starting to kind of open up over there so like what's it kind of looking like in terms of you guys playing shows yeah i you know i'm really not sure um what what we're planning on doing yet I mean, you know there's there's people who are playing shows occasionally you know there's a show in the in california recently that happened that was really big and you know so obviously there are people playing shows um yeah but so far the response from the chicago scene has been mostly to um be cautious so yeah, um, yeah. and we you know we're just kind of going with the flow of that just kind of like okay like we're not trying to uh jump the gun on shows or anything like that. So, um, you know, I think as far as 
when we'll be able to play shows. I'm, I'm really not sure. I, we have, a, <laughs> we have, uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on in our lives and, you know, I'm, uh, like I have, uh, I'm getting married this, this summer and all this kind of stuff. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And so <laughs> our mindset has kind of been like, you know, when, when this, when this stuff happens, it'll happen, but you know, we have other things in our lives that we're focusing on right now. Yeah, no, no, that's totally, totally fair. Um, well, Dawson, before I let you go, the way I always like to kind of end the show is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. And you might be able to answer it because you have played some of the stuff off the Sybil, but it, it might change. So we'll give it a go and see what your answer is. But what's your favourite Porcupine song you'd like to play live and why? Mm. Yeah, wow, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know we have there's so many songs but the song that <laughs> song yeah. that i've had um some of the best experiences playing live has been um a song called self-reflection on cassette knowledge which is the last song on mm -hmm. zomia and we don't play it often because it's way too long for your average hardcore set but yeah, yeah but yeah. when we do play it it's usually when we play with more screamo bands like we played with the band zeta from south america once oh yeah yeah, and yeah. when we played with the trail of guilt we played it um and you know when we play it live we usually kind of uh jam out at the end and it's really fun and um and it was you know one of the first songs where i was like okay i'm gonna try to sing some and uh you know we uh last time we played it we we played um I forgot what song we we covered a all it's failed song the Philadelphia hardcore band that was one of their yeah. softer songs and we led into it and it was that's and cool. it was just really awesome so that's probably my favorite song awesome brilliant well Dawson thank you very much for your time really appreciate it Oak I mean the Sybil is a fucking incredible record but like I'm just super stoked to see what you guys do thank you so much in the future so and yeah best of luck with the wedding in the summer I appreciate like, it. Yeah. hope it all goes well I really appreciate it thank you so much. No worries, take care, my friend. Take care. So there we have it, folks. A huge thank you again to Dawson for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned, obviously, Porcupine's new album came out earlier this year, so highly recommend going checking out The Sybil. Uh, you can pick it up from New Morality Zine, and I believe Crew Cuts have copies over here in the UK. I'm not 100% sure, but... Anyway, uh, as always, you can keep up to date with what Porcupine are doing on all their various social media platforms, which will, again, be linked in the episode show notes. Um, as mentioned before, we are nearing sort of episode 200. I potentially have a guest locked in now um, and are going to be doing something around episode 198 to sort of get the celebrations going. So, yeah, keep an eye on all our various social media to yeah for more information on that um i'm going to keep this outro very short and brief so i'm going to leave it there thank you again everyone for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon